Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. I'm, well, it's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Last week, Dad and I looked at the case of Simon Gittany, a man who threw his fiancée out of a window, killing her in the process. The trial was long, arduous, and painful, and Dad and I were talking about the case and delving into it, and then Dad dropped a bit of a bombshell. Dad spoke with somebody who was actually there, and I do mean there, directly below the spot where it happened. Now... We rarely get guests on Loose Units, Dad, but we're really excited to talk with this guest who has requested that we change their voice so that they can't be identified. And a lot of what this guest is talking about is exclusive. This is stuff that has not been talked about before. Um, She actually testified at the trial of Simon Gittany, and her stories are absolutely breathtaking. This particular person reached out to us, and I was a little bit excited. Yep. In a sort of a morbid way, particularly when the person told their story to me. And then also said that the media have been after her for 13 years. Like they really want her story. Now, listeners, when you hear the story, you will begin to understand why everyone wanted her to talk mm-hmm. in the mainstream media. And I'm talking about, you know, the leading current affairs shows of the day. Yeah. Uh but she didn't feel comfortable. Out of the kindness of her heart and her her extreme high esteem she holds you and me and together loose units in Paul, she agreed to come on and at the last minute she requested that her voice be changed, which I think is mm-hmm. more than fair. I thought I was prepared for what she was going to say and it was intense. She was extraordinary, and I found it very distressing, yet enthralling. Have a listen, everyone. We think you're going to really enjoy this. It is so... It's so rare that Dad and I are speechless, as you know, if you listen to the show, but this case is absolutely horrendous, and it's local, 
and it's still kind of happening in a way. I mean, the ripples of this are still being felt. So please sit back and I'd say enjoy, but strap in for this talk. Okay, so first of all, could you please walk us through what happened on that day from your perspective? Okay, so my husband and I, we live in the building. That's probably important to know. We lived there for about oh, close to two years, a year and a half. And we're having coffee next door. We were probably within 20 metres, actually probably even closer to 10 metres of the impact zone. And my husband saw the hit and he just yelled out, someone's jumped from the building. And we got up and I just screamed in the cafe and said, someone call an ambulance. And we were over to this body that had just landed within probably five to 10 seconds. Yeah, that's what happened. So what was your, did you sort of at all think that this person had definitely jumped or was that your sort of, is that the go-to thing when you saw this horrific situation? It's actually really funny because my husband said um, someone's just jumped on the building and because I was looking at it with the building behind me out to the street, I couldn't in my head work out how a body's just appeared. And I honestly, for me, I didn't even put from the building, how does someone just fall from the sky? Um, and it seemed to be quite a little bit further out than what someone would fall from a building. So I, I honestly thought she had been hit by a car. It was just thrown and landed on the pavement. So I just, in my head, still wasn't computing. How did this body just appear right here? So not to get too graphic, but could you walk us through what happened after the body landed? I mean, I'm assuming that obviously uh, there was a fair bit of shock on your end, but could you tell us, yeah, tell us what happened next and what role you played in the preceding events? So what happened, it's funny, you know, people talk about shock and I didn't I didn't feel that at the time I, I ran straight up and then my husband, my husband's got medical training and look, I won't go into graphic details what we saw, but basically she was a bag, Lisa, her name, Lisa Hanum, very important, um, was a bag of bones. And for me, there was a bit of a relief knowing that she was very dead. Um, I don't know if you want to put this little part, but the thing that I noticed, her head was actually turned the wrong way. And I just knew this, this girl was completely gone. So there was one like millionth um, relief knowing that she had passed. I think, you know, if she'd fallen and survived something that horrific, it just would have felt so much worse. So we were there, My we got people to call the ambulance and look, I don't know how this was kind of a blessing, even though it didn't really help. There was a doctor right probably four metres away from where we were in traffic and he was looking up into the sky. He actually saw the fall and the hit. So he was to her with probably, I would say, 30 seconds after we were, and he basically rolled her over and just started doing compressions. And at this point, my husband's on the phone to the ambulance. He had used the doctor's phone. I'm kind of a bit confused at the moment going, she's absolutely not with us, but he's doing compressions. And he explained to me later what happened there. And then basically what I did is I've now worked out that she's come off the building. I honestly thought suicide. I thought she's got depression, she's jumped. And for some reason, I was just expecting, I don't know why it was a female figure, but I was just expecting a mom or a sister or a brother or someone to come down. So I thought, okay, I'm going to stand here with open arms and I don't know how I'm, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to deal with this person about to find out that their loved one is dead. So that's basically the role I took on very quickly. 
but someone did come downstairs and oh, I'm, I'm almost frightened to ask what happened when, when he emerged from the building. Were you there for what people have described was some very odd behavior or had you left by that point? No, I, I was the one that saw the whole bad behavior, probably more than anybody. And I think that's hence why I ended up going to going to court and being a witness. So what I thought was odd, first of all, I'm assisting Angus, the doctor. My husband's on the phone and I'm just waiting for ambulance or someone to come. And I'm staring at, I kept obviously looking down. Angus needed assistance with opening a first aid bag, whatever. So I was a bit distracted with her. And then it just seemed like a long time and no one had arrived, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a few minutes. Anyway, I looked up and I saw this gentleman, quite big buff guy, just pacing near the glass doors. And he's kind of in my my way because I'm trying to look into the building to find that person who I'm about to, you know, hug and I don't know what I was going to say. And he just, just wouldn't get out of the way. And it got to the point where I said, mate, like, do you, do you know her? And he just went, that's my fiance. But then turned around and walked back inside. And I went, holy shit and what i thought right then i thought oh my god what's in my head i'm like i've had an argument she's gone f you i hate you i'm gonna make you suffer like i'm just trying to work out what what shock he must be in so i went right i'm gonna run in and just try and console this guy and it was very very quickly he didn't he just all he kept saying to me is she dead is she dead and it, honestly a hundred times it didn't stop and and I tried to put my arm around him and he was so angry. Like he felt like he looked like he'd just come from a fight. And I went, okay, mate. I just didn't know. I thought, well, I can't judge this guy at the moment. He's just probably angry at the situation. But then things got really odd. Bloody now, hell. When, when you said that's when things got really odd, I thought we were already knee deep in odd. So what happened next that you, after what you'd seen, I'm laughing because I'm miserably uncomfortable because this story is terrifying. But what what happened next that you would regard as specifically odd? Well, what was odd? He never went up to her. And I thought, okay, this is your fiance. You're angry. You're pacing. Maybe you've got to be in shock. You've got to be in shock. And when he kept asking me, is she dead? I, I've, I don't know how to, I'm not trained to say, I didn't know how to say that. And I'm just in my inside going, oh my God, ambulance, please get here. Please don't let me be this person to tell this poor guy that his fiance is dead. And because he was just pacing. And then I went to put my arm on him and he just like pulled back and I went, oh shit. And then I thought, then I'm like, oh my God, he's had an all night bender. He's probably on drugs. Then I thought, well, there's nothing I can do here. So I went back out to see how my husband and the doctor were going. So I was pretty close now. So this this is the first time he's walked up close to her and is kind of circling. And then, so we have this awesome doctor, thank God he was there, doing compressions. This guy walks up to, you've got to imagine, so she's laying down, doctor's doing compressions, my husband's standing there still on the phone. I'm within a meter of this whole situation. I've squatted down. He squats down, so he's sort of crotch areas right at her head. He leans over her. Now, her unfortunately, I have to describe it. It's really important. Her body is a bag of soft bones, if you can unfortunately imagine that. And he's got his think, pointer thing, and he's pointing, not lightly, but firmly into her head. But the way he was going, babe, babe, come back, come back. And it was like he was annoyed. It wasn't like, oh, my God, honey. Like, there was no... It was just, babe, babe, come on. Now, this is a bit that really got me. So I'm trying to put on the, I mean, I've got hindsight now, but I'm trying to imagine, okay, so we have this trained doctor who's doing um, compressions. I told him this is fiance. 
This guy is not only pointing his he- his finger into her head, he's leaning so far over her that it's obstructing the doctor to do what he needs to do. So the doctor just turns around and goes, mate, fuck off. And I'm like, okay, so he's sensing this guy is not right. I'm sensing something's wrong. Then the ambulance turn up, thank God. And I remember very clearly Ang- the Am- Angus said to the ambulance guys, look, I've been pumping for 10 to 15 minutes, guys. There's nothing else I can do. Now, I don't want to sound like I know anything about crime because I don't, but I felt it really odd. The ambulance come. The police, in my vision, were not there. So the, poli- the ambulance picked her up. This is also odd. Put it into the ambulance, not in a great way. The door stayed open for far too long. Like you got Oxford Street traffic driving in the direction of an open door ambulance. Now, this is where it got even more odd for me. So here's a man, fiance, she's dead in the back of an ambulance. He's never going to see her again. He walks up to the ambulance. The ambulance driver's closing one door, hasn't even closed the second door. And he turns around and starts to walk off. Now, in my head, I'm like, hang on a second. Does this guy even live in the building? Is he just some random, like, I need to keep my eyes on him because there's no police here yet. I need to know. I didn't want to take my eyes off him because I just knew he had something to do with this. And I said, "Um, excuse me, where are you going? And his exact words were, fuck off, I live here. So then he walks inside the building, takes a seat in the lobby, folds his arm, and then at that moment, police had arrived. And I spoke to the doctor and my husband, and all of us just looked at each other, and I just said, that guy has got something to do with this. And then we were separated. And as I was questioned, the detective had his back to the building. The building's got a very, a very clear glass window, so you can see right through it. And he just sat there rocking, just glaring at me. I kept like, I'm really scared, I'm really scared. And the detective was like, no, no, it's fine, it's calm down, calm down. So that was kind of what I saw, but there's also a lot more odd things that I found out that happened past this story. But this was just obviously the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You say a detective. So are you sure that they were detectives or not uniform police? They definitely weren't in uniform. So the guy that spoke to me wasn't in uniform. I can't remember who spoke to my husband or spoke to the doctor, Angus, but I don't remember seeing... I mean, the guy that interviewed me didn't have a uniform on, um, but I can't remember who, honestly, who spoke to... Because I was there for quite a while. The thing that has me really troubled in this particular case, and I would like possible someone out there to perhaps reach out and clarify a couple of things because clearly this is a crime scene at even if at that point it was thought that it was death by suicide it is still a scene that holds very very important evidence i find it so incredible and unbelievable and it's really really it's really sort of almost given me the shits over the last few weeks thinking about this is why the body was moved into the back of an ambulance. That's just unbelievable. Why wasn't everything just left and a perhaps a blanket or something, which is what they normally do, and sort of cordon the area off because there's so much evidence. It's a footpath and there could have been something there that would have sort of given, you know, forensic investigators some clue at that early stage to assume that it was a suicide is just really, really sort of, I think it's not not cool, but also, and just sort of in connection to that whole thing, I also, since you reached out to us and uh, we had our initial discussion, I found it quite unbelievable and I'd really like to find out why um, this doctor, who I believe was a specialist, Stephen, I just don't quite understand why he did CPR when it was very clear. And it's also worth noting that doctors are the ones that are legally allowed to say that life has ceased. I mean, do you have a take on the doctor just actually doing something that was, why Why was he doing it? Well, the thing is, I was unsure, but then I'm not, because I'm not medically trained. My husband is, and funny you say about the blanket, because... I said to my husband, um, you know, he's on the, he's about to call him, and he kept saying, get a blanket. And I think what he was trying to say was, that's what he thought, just put a blanket off. And let's, and look, and, and also to cording it off, just something he reminded me of, when this is happening, some lovely probably thinks he's doing the right thing. This is what also made me go, oh, shit, this is not right. This guy goes, oh, if this is a handbag. It was four metres over there. I think you should have it. I'm like, oh, my God, he just picked up a handbag. What in the hell? Why are we touching? So I just straight away just thought this does not feel right. Look, I did ask Angus. I had a, a moment of, and look, I, I can't remember word for word, but it was mentioned to me that sometimes in these situations, doctors just perform or go through the motions because it stops family members or people around the victim. Um 
panicking, screaming, and I just went with that. I went, okay, that kind of makes sense. But again, I, because I'm not medically trained. But look, one thing interesting, though, that he did say, because he's medically trained, because he was looking up, so he actually saw the fall, not the full fall, but before um, she hit. And one thing he said, and my husband said this as well, it looked like she was asleep. Which is, and, and, and you would know this, John, more than anybody, but the forensics, the doctors actually told, sorry, doctors, the police told me that even if it is a suicide or if someone does willingly jump or gets thrown off, they, there's always a scream, hand movements, like you don't just jump in the air and just sleep. So that's why straight away we all thought she must have been dead before she hit the ground. There's lots of really odd little wrinkles here. You mentioned that later on you found out more odd things about this terrible event could you walk us through what some of those are okay there's so many things so i mean i remember like okay for the the first thing that happened afterwards like we lived in the same building obviously we didn't go back that day we found out sadly now obviously you know there's this horrific video footage of her running out and grabbing her around the mouth and just dragging oh that's just the worst thing i've ever seen in my life but what's even sadder well it's the worst thing but another sad point to this is she actually ran out of her apartment building to her next door neighbors and bashed on the door. And the words she said was, help me, help me, God help me. And this was an elderly couple. Um, they were so traumatized because obviously they, looking back in hindsight, they could, they, if they opened the door, she might still be here, but it's just the worst thing. And they never, ever returned to the apartment ever, which is really sad. But there's a few other really, really odd. Okay, this one, I don't think anyone even knows this story. We had concierge at the apartment floor and there was obviously some beautiful lovely amazing concierge but there was one guy who we really loved who was a younger guy who randomly disappeared from that job very quickly after and i found this out so this is i'm going to sort of jump around here but i do remember seeing in her pocket um oh i'm just thinking of something that's really sad and graphic but I remember her on the ground and she had really short legs. And I remember hearing that she was this ballerina and blah, blah, blah. And her jeans were really long. And, and I unfortunately, when they, I don't know why they did this to me, but they played the hit um, in court in my face. Um, and she actually landed feet first. So she apparently, I don't know the exact measurements, but she's kind of, sh- her whole body shrunk by about a foot. It was horrible. Um, but the reason I'm bringing that up, because in the jeans pocket, I remember seeing this little brown piece of paper that said, said Kiki K. Um, and I just saw a bit of writing, but I thought it was a shopping list. But apparently later, so as you know, her, her whole apartment had surveillance cameras in it, but the cameras were facing outwards, not inwards, hence why you got that graphic footage of her leaving. So he had full surveillance of her. And also, we lived there for close to two years. We never saw her or him once, not once. But how it's going back to the concierge is that, so we have a boardroom in the building and you're allowed to use it for meetings, you have to book it in. I had a meeting there once and then I was told that I can only have, you know, there's all these stupid rules they put on it. But we found out that our concierge, and the police told me this, the concierge guy was being paid by um, Simon to keep an eye on her. And in return, our concierge and Simon could do drug deals in our boardroom. And I'm like, what the hell? So there's that. And then even more more stuff came out. Like the, the I'm sure you may know this part of John. He got this dodgy lawyer, obviously, to begin with. And his 
claim. So we lived in exactly the same apartment. So our floor plan is exactly the same. And our balcony, the glass balconies were quite high. And I'm five foot eight. I reckon it's at least, oh, it's only five. It's quite high, the glass balcony. And his first lawyer claimed it because she's a ballerina. She ballerina leaps over the balcony. Now, you can't take a run-up. You, you're lucky to take one and a half big strides to get to the glass. So that was just embarrassing from his side. But then a really sad moment for me is when I got taken to court. Oh, and listeners, I like how you said well, listeners. I'm going to take that from you, John. Um, I didn't know this, that when you're a witness in a murder trial or in something horrific, I thought when you go to court, they separate you, like you and the police and uh, with the family of the murder people, the baddies, they don't. They put you all in the same room. But the reason I'm bringing that up, there was this lovely girl sitting there on her own and she was teary and just slumped over. And I sat next to her and I, I, I started to talk to her and I said, how do you know um, Lisa? And she said I was her best friend. And, and she got talking to me and I'm sure you're aware that he had the surveillance system so he could text people um, from, it looked like it was coming from her phone. So imagine, so this is Lisa's, I can't remember her name, I'm sorry, um, Lisa's best friend, and she started to get these horrible messages from Lisa's phone, like, you're a slut, you're a whore, I know you're sleeping with my It just was horrific, and she told me I spent the last however years hating her because she just basically just bullied me and harassed me. And not one of those texts came from her. It all came from him. And the morning, and this is the other really sad thing, you know, we talk about, you know, domestic violence and people go, why don't people leave? This He knew she was leaving him that day because he had access to the phone. And that day her personal trainer was picking her up that day and taking it as a flight book. She was leaving. And... So the personal trainer also got a text, and the text was not, I don't know word for word, but I heard it playing in court. It was something like, you know, look what you've done to me. Now I'm on the street. I have no money. Um, you've ruined my life. Don't pick me up. I love him. I'm never going to leave him. So she then turned around and didn't come either. So, you know, there's just this this man is i can't like yeah there's just so many oh so, and just the last thing that i really remember is three days after this happened we eventually came back to the apartment my husband went up earlier i was out the front um and i turned i heard these guys these like sort of beefy guys laughing and it was early in the morning it was probably about 10 o'clock in the morning laughing like they were drunk really loud having the best time and i thought oh they must have come out of the club i turned around and it's simon with five other guys and I rang my husband. I'm like, this guy is sitting 10 meters, no, probably five meters for where his fiance has just died. And you're having a great laugh. So I said, Jim's like, oh, it could be the police are probably planting him. Don't do anything. And I actually did bring the police um, there and then. And look, they did come up and arrest him. But it just, you know, the brother was allowed back in and out. You know, he had he had um, camera system in his apartment. He had all this gear. He had a, a black a box sitting in the rooftop. His brother was allowed access to the apartment. He came and took it out. Um, there's just so many things that I'm like, this is just so, so odd. How do you feel your testimony at court uh, helped in the uh, prosecution? Do you feel like you contributed in some small way to the exacting of justice? Because obviously this is a this is a terrifying person. Look, I look back and I, I go, not really, because, you know, what I saw didn't, can't, doesn't prove anything. It just proved that he's an odd 
guy and behaves really oddly and is an angry man. So, look, I I was actually surprised I, I was called. I think the reason I was called because he was coming across that he was so empathetic and he was hysterical. He didn't even have a tear in his eye. Like, there was not even a slight bit of emotion from him. Um, so, look, I, I maybe it was more of a character thing just to show that he's just a liar and, and his behaviour was... Well, they did ask me a couple of questions. The, the only... The only horrible thing is they played the video because I said that he strolled out and didn't care. But in the video, he did run, but he didn't run all the way out. So, but no, look, I, I'm glad I did, but I don't know how much of an effect I had. It wasn't really me that convicted him. It was the amazing guy from the park that did. Yeah. So look, I'm not sure how I contributed, but yeah, I mean, I was there to help and do anything the police asked me to do. And that's what I did. If I um, had to rate you as um, in terms of credible witnesses based on what you've said today, which has been quite frankly extraordinary and, and as I said before, riveting and, and just I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm not just saying that, but I would rate you as a very, very credible witness and I, and, and I and hats off to you and you have you, the story you have given us today is is incredible and also... I'm aware that you know you're the. This is you came to to loose units because you felt finally after all these years that we could do your story justice, and for that, Paul and I are are incredibly grateful. Well, I feel so safe safe in your hands. It's funny actually when the media were asking me. There was one I was really and I won't mention what. It's a very very well known current affair show and. They reached out to me and I remember going, oh, maybe I will because everyone else is going on it. And I remember hearing an ad and the ad said, have you paid too much for your fridge? And I'm like, no, I don't think I need to be part of a show where that's a headline a headline story. So, yeah, it was and it, and it was just I love the way that, you know, it, you handle these things really gently and you tell a story, but you, you do add humor in the right way where it's a little bit more comfortable because you do need to hear these stories. But you also don't want to be so traumatised afterwards. And I think there's such a beautiful balance of... Because I think the story of her, Lisa, is very, very important. And I just feel that, you know, it, it's just, you know, important to share her, how tragic her story... And, and look, and the only the only sad thing, and I have this regret all the time... Sorry, it's the only part right here. up. It's the only thing that... um, um I wanted to meet a mum because I just wanted... Even that wouldn't have made a difference, but, you know... As a mum, I'm sure over her head, she thought if, if you know, if the doctors got there quicker, if an ambulance got there quicker, and I just wanted her to know that there was doctors to her within 20 seconds. So there was nothing that could have been done. Like, I know that wouldn't have made a difference, but it was the only thing that I, I wish I, I got to meet her and have a hug. But it was obviously too traumatic for her to come to court, so I didn't get to do that. But, um, yeah, so... Lisa Harnum's her name, and I think it's, yeah, really important to remember her. I cannot thank you enough for spending time with us today and telling your story. It's It's been a real privilege to talk to you, and obviously uh, we have obscured your identity, and that is at your request because this is a very, very contentious case, and there's lots of people with very heated feelings, and, you know, we obviously wanted to protect your identity. Seriously, thank you so much for coming on and trusting us with your story. I was flabbergasted. She tells us and gives us details that are quite frankly details that only someone that was there would be able to would would have been able to observe yeah it's very rare to get those level of insights from somebody yeah. who's so articulate and i'm really really glad we got to talk with her 
<sighs> you know, Paul, I would not like to be ever mm-hmm. at a cafe and all of a sudden something happened to her and her partner that day and other people. And yep. here's a footnote. Here's a, here's a funny footnote, everyone. The cafe where they were dining yeah. charged them the full fee for their breakfast. That they didn't eat. That's bizarre. That is so bizarre. If I had a coffee shop and all of a sudden someone fell from the sky, or in this case was thrown and pushed, mm-hmm. and all my and a couple of my really good local regular customers went out to render ostensibly first aid, although that, that was clearly not going to work. Mm-hmm. Then they come back in so traumatized and then the owner hit them up for the bill. Yeah, bizarre. I find that quite unusual. I reckon there was probably a discussion happening behind the scenes of do we charge do we charge them? And then odds are somebody made the call. But God, what a bizarre piece of trivia, Dad. It's been an amazing story and I would mm-hmm. like to and as people know this, I don't wear a hat because A, you think I've got a massive head. Um which I don't, but if I was wearing like a monster sombrero yeah, or a whatever, a Kubra, Stetson, pick, yeah, there are numerous hats out there, fedora, that'd look a bit, a bit silly, I'd tip it. I would doff my cap to the wonderful guest, although I can't because I'm not wearing a hat. And never will. Thank you so much for listening to this incredible episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Thank you to our anonymous guest. If you have any words of thanks or anything you want to say to this guest, uh, please hit us up on our Facebook page. If you have any thoughts or insights or if you were there, uh, get across to our Facebook page, our discussion group, and send us a message. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Enjoy Loose Ends later this week, and we will see you very, very soon for more Loose Units. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.